Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, a slight tangent, the crappy quiz, and you had to be there. You have to be there, like, but I wish I wasn't there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. And it is time for Ken Doherty's You Had to Be There. You're so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. You had to be there. Morning, Ken. How are things? Keeping well, keeping well. Um, you sent on your list yesterday, and Jesus, it's impressive. The one thing that jumped out to me straight away, in terms of your top five in-person sporting performances or moments, there's not one snooker match. <laughs> there's not one mention of the Crucible or Ali Pali. You've left it out completely. Uh, well, I thought, like, you know, I'm so used to going, seeing so many snooker matches, great snooker matches over the years. I thought, <laughs> you know, I'll just uh, keep away from my own sport and just... Uh, uh, tell you about some of the experience I've had in other sports, you know, watching other sports and watching some of the greats play. And I, some of my greatest sort of sport moments, uh, you know, for our own country as well, which is fantastic, you know. Yeah, it's not, I think, the, the common trait that we've we've had from people picking their, I think Tommy Welch did his last week, but it, it's it's a stressful thing to try and pick because for people like yeah. yourself who've been to so many sporting events, it's probably hard yeah. to narrow it down. Yeah, it was hard to know. I mean, I didn't put the the rugby in there. I was just looking through the list. I didn't put the uh, the Ireland England game at Crow Park, which was a very emotional game. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't put uh, Chris Eubank or Collins in there down in Cork. Mm. And uh, and I think my first time at Cheltenham, which was uh, a few years ago, I, I spent four days with Phil Tufnell as a as the Irish sort of uh, press brief cup captain. And that was that was a wonderful experience in itself, particularly just spending four days with Phil Tufnell, you know. But particularly <laughs> at Cheltenham, uh, we had a, a right out laugh. And uh, I think that was uh, that was one of the greatest experiences. I mean, uh, John Parr has been going to Cheltenham for the last, like, 40 years. And I've never seen, like, I, I was only there once. And uh, he was there for the first days. And there I was in the parade ring picking up the Presbury Cup and he's watching it, <laughs> sitting at home on his couch watching it and he's looking at me, he's saying, Doherty, James, he says, Doherty, you get where water wouldn't, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been there for 30 years, he's never been, uh, he's never picking up any trophies in the parade ring but there was, there was my first time there and I'm picking up the Presbury Cup it was, uh, it was quite, uh, it was amazing, you know? Isn't it Forrest Gump where he has all the photos behind him where he's everywhere and he's met all the presidents yeah. and he's been in every war yeah. and sporting events. <laughs> Seems like you're, you're, you're not far off, Ken, but with, uh, with your list either yeah the lineup is so impressive <laughs> it's unreal uh, well I mean I mean some of them I mean the first one we're going to talk about uh, yes we'll, ke- we'll kick know. off 1984 so Giants yeah. Ireland Italy the, the Giants Stadium I mean I just you know it was 1994 we qualified for the World Cup it was in America they were playing in New York and then they were playing in Florida so I thought well great chance to go and watch Ireland play but also and particularly at the Giants Stadium in New York but also to have a little holiday you know mm. and um well, uh, you know, to go and see that match at, at the Giant Stadium and probably Paul McGrath's one of, well, well, he had so many, but that was probably his, his most defining. And uh, to beat Italy at the Giant Stadium, I mean, when we went there, you know, we we thought like, oh, it's going to be full of Italians, it's going to be very uh, small Irish crowd, it's hard to get tickets and stuff like that. And uh, when we arrived there, I mean, it was just a sea of green. It was, it was a very small, it was quite the opposite. It was a very small amount of Italians there, blue flags or whatever. And uh, the, the rest of it was just a sea of green. The atmosphere was electric. 
uh, from start to finish. And Ireland, and that Ray Helton goal, well, that was just uh, one of the best goals uh, that Ireland had ever scored. And uh, against the Giants of, of of Italy and to beat them, I mean, the, the team that they had, I mean, Baggio was up front, you know, and they had such an array of wonderful, talented players. But Ireland just played them off the park and it was just a, it was one of those moments where you, you know as you say you had to be there you know? mm. I watched back the highlights last night and it was probably the sea of green that really struck me the, yeah. the scarves it was like everybody had a hat on this must have been the thing like everybody <laughs> yeah, was yeah, wearing yeah. an Irish hat and, <laughs> yeah it just really struck me I was like whoa that looks like a crack <laughs> yeah it was great crack and it was so hot there you know it really was very very hot the weather was was stifling um but the goal, I mean, it came out of nowhere, you know. Now, and you know, just the way he chipped uh, Pagluga, was it? Who was in goal, mm. and uh, and then uh, yeah, to just the, everybody went mad. It was just a, it was sort of a carnival time, and it was just wonderful to just to be there and experience that, and then to go on and, and hold them, and for them not to score and, and get the win. It was just. Uh, yeah, it was a dream sort of come true for Ireland. It was a wonderful performance, you know. I'd, I'd forgotten, Ken, as well, that like, the goal from Houghton is after 12 minutes. So as you say, you know, yeah. you, Ireland had to hold on for for a seriously, seriously long time against the Italians. Like, that's not an easy thing to do either. No, not at all. And uh, that's why I was saying, I, I think, uh, you know, Roy Keane, uh, Paul McGrath particularly, the way he sort of held that defence together, some of the defensive headers and the tackles and everything. And uh, just to hold on for that for the rest of the 90 minutes, you know, and... You know, it was one of the most uh, famous victories I think we've ever had, without a doubt. You know, I mean, that in 1990, of course, as well in in, uh, in Italy. But, yeah, just to, uh, you know, to see that. And just, you thought it was like a home match. You thought you were in Lansdowne Road, you know, <laughs> at one stage. Uh, it was that good. And, uh, yeah, it was just a real sort of wonderful party atmosphere. I managed to, like, you know... You know, meet like was you know people around you, obviously I'm from Ireland, and just having fun, singing songs, and uh, they managed to to get us on the bus. We jumped on the bus back to uh, back to New York. We sort of bunked on their bus, basically. You know, they sort of uh, took us in, and we had a right L. Uh, we had a right L crack with them that night. It was fantastic. You know, you would have been 24 or five. So you'd you'd have moved over to the UK at this point. So yeah. This is three years before you win the World Championship, but yeah. So you, you went over from the UK, I guess, for just for the the little mini break. Was that the the thinking behind it? Yeah, it was just like, you know, the fact that it was in Florida, you know, you could go to Sea World and, the, you know, the water parks and, and see all that and have a week down in Florida and a week in New York. And uh, I remember checking into one hotel, the Roosevelt, uh, and it was an absolute dump it was, you know. <laughs> uh, it really was. So we had to we had to check out of there. I had to ring Eamon, Eamon uh, Dunphy, you know, because uh, he was over there as a journalist, of course. And he was staying in a, a beautiful little small uh, boutique hotel called the Elysium. And he, he managed to get us a room in there. So we managed to stay in there for the week, which was lovely. But uh, when we checked into the Roosevelt, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she cried her eyes out. You know, she said, how could you bring me to this place? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, it worked out in the end and, and we had a great time, you know. Unreal. So you were in the bad books for a couple of days. but you know, <laughs> well, yeah, the back up for it, yeah. Well, me a fork, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> worth it, worth it. Uh, yeah, it was worth it. Worth every penny. 100%. Your, your second pick, uh, Ken, is... 1997 Old Trafford Manchester United against West Ham yeah. I was thinking yesterday so when you said this on I was like okay it was Eric Cantona's last competitive game for United so that's why it's yeah. memorable but I'm just thinking about the dates here so this was May the 11th and you had won the yeah. World Championship on May 5th so yeah. for a number of reasons this was special for you this is only less than a week yeah. after you became I mean, World Champion 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this wouldn't mean a lot to a lot of people who say, what, uh, Eric Cantor's last match? It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really about that, but it was just, it was a very special day for me because, um, yeah, it was six days after winning the World Championship. Um, I got a phone call uh, from a number I didn't recognise and uh, I picked up the phone and, and the sort of the message went, it says, uh, hello, Kenny, uh, this is Alex Ferguson here. I know you're a big Man United fan. How about coming to Old Trafford and parading that trophy, <laughs> you know? And I thought it was one of my mates and I told him to ever, I said, stop messing me, will you? Stop worrying me up, you know? And he says, Kenny, this is Alex Ferguson here. I'm not going to ask you a second time, you know? I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Ferguson. Of course, I'd love to go to Old Trafford, you know? And, and parade the trophy. Well, he brought me, I went over, arrived on the morning and uh, he took me into his office, showed me, they were collecting the Premiership trophy that day and uh, I got a lovely, he brought Bobby Charlton in and Martin Edwards and uh, I got some lovely photographs with, with the World Championship trophy next to the Premiership in his uh, in his office and then he brought me down to meet the players who were having their sort of uh, pre-match meal and uh, I walked down with the cup and he walked in and we had sort of the first team on the first table and the second team on the second table before all in the line, you know. <laughs> so I walked in, I'm standing at the door with the cup and he goes, gentlemen, he says, uh, Kendall, a big man, he's fan, he says, just brought his, his World Championship trophy and he's going to uh, parade it at half time, you know. So they're all like, uh, you know, munching into their pasta or whatever and they just look around and they just like stare at me and nobody moved and I'm sort of I'm making eye contact with Roy Keane and Dennis Irwin who I would have met over the years to say you know are you going to come over and say hello I didn't know I didn't know whether to go to them or what was going to happen so I'm standing there and I'm start, the beads of sweat now are starting to drip down you know mate. The, the cup is starting to get a little bit heavier in my hand and um, well next of all uh, big fella at the end of the table pushed the chair back walked over to me stood in front of me. I'm looking up at him. I'm like a little schoolboy. And he said to me, uh, congratulations, Mr. Doherty, and welcome to Old Trafford. And uh, I had a lump in my throat, you know, and I said, so all I could say was, thank you, Mr. Cantona. You know, it was Eric Cantona that came over. It was like quite a surreal moment. And um, that was his last match that he played for United. And I always say, can't, I, I drove Cantona out of Old Trafford because when he saw snooker players coming to parade their trophy in Old Trafford, he thought, oh, this place has gone to the dogs. I'm yeah. out of here. You Screw know? this, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. unbelievable that Alex Ferguson, yeah. that's the way he was thinking before, such a massive game. He yeah. obviously thought that you were going to have an impact of, of bringing the trophy and seeing that, you know, you've won yeah. the World Championship, that this would have an impact on the lads because uh, there's definitely yeah, reasoning just, behind it. Yeah, I mean, it was such a it was such a nice gesture. Dennis Taylor gave him a number. I'd never met Alex before or anything like that. Dennis Taylor gave him a number. He loves the snooker. He was watching it all week. He was willing me on. And I think he had a bet on me as well, maybe, you know, <laughs> uh, even though I was playing Stephen Hendry. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just such a lovely, uh, lovely man and just made me feel so welcome. And uh, walking out onto the middle of that pitch, you know, being introduced with the cup and my legs like were like jelly, you know, as I walked <laughs> out. And it was quite funny, you know, like they're all, they're all singing, you know, uh, there's only one Ken Doherty, you know. And then, of course, all the West Ham lads, you know. They're all, they were up from London, obviously. They're all singing. There's only one Ronnie O'Sullivan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Giving it the large so one. You, yeah. can't, you can't have it every way. But, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful, I was just amazing experience. I was so lucky that year because I, I was invited out to the into Crow Park for the um, the Dublin Maid uh, Leinster final. I was invited out into the middle of Lansdowne Road for a World Cup qualifier against Liechtenstein, I think it was, that year. And uh, 
I was invited out to Celtic Park as well uh, once. I was invited out to Celtic Park for the halftime draw. And uh, unbeknown to me, John Higgins was in the, he was in the Celtic end, like, because a big Celtic supporter, you know? And he didn't know I was being invited out. Oh, he, he was just sitting in the crowd with his brother, you know, at the match. And he rings me up. He says, I can't believe I'm sitting in the crowd. He says, there you are coming out into the middle of the pitch. You don't even follow Celtic, he says, you know? <laughs> Oh, it's a yeah, real Celtic team. Yeah, it was Any amazing. Irish. It was yeah. amazing. So that was a, it was a very special day that Old Trafford, um, that Old Trafford moment, and of course it was Eric Cantona's last match as well. I think. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it's six days. So six days previous, you'd won the World Championship, and six days later, I think Cantona shocks the world. Certainly shocks United yeah, fans yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with his announcement, his uh, retirement. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick tangent to mention: there's a, a, an announcement that's come in from the IRFU, Andy Farrell's uh, Irish squad for the. 2023 Six Nations Championship is in and one uncapped player named in the squad we've got Leinster's Jamie Osborne who has made it uh, first integrated of course in November 2021 as a development player he's since featured for the Emerging Ireland and Ireland A teams so just to quickly mention the scrum or the, the scrum says I the, uh, the squad in its entirety starting with the scrum halves you've got Craig Casey Jemison Gibson Park and Connor Murray the out halves named are Ross Byrne Jack Crowley and Captain Johnny Sexton the Irish centres Bundy Aki Stuart McCluskey Jamie Osborne and Gary Ringrose the outside backs named in the squad by Andy Farrell are Keith Earls, Mac Hansen, Hugo Keenan, Jordan Larmer, James Lowe, Jimmy O'Brien and Jacob Stockdale. The props are Finley Beelham, Tyg Furlong, Cian Healy, Dave Kilcoyne, Tom O'Toole and Andrew Porter. Three hookers, Rob Herring, Ronan Kelleher and Dan Sheehan. The locks named Tyg Byrne, Ian Henderson, Joe McCarthy and James Ryan. And the back row named by Andy Farrell. Finally, Ryan Baird, Jack Conan, Gavin Coombs, Caelan Doris, Peter O'Mahony, Cian Prendergast and Josh van der Freer. We will chat to Ian Keatley in around 10 or 15 minutes' time on that squad its entirety. Back to, you had to be there, with uh, with Ken Doherty. Ken, another uh, massive pick uh, for you here, and it's it's quite obvious why you've picked this one. What a moment for Manchester United fans. The new Camp, May 1999, May 26th, yeah. I think it was, against uh, Bayern Munich, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's last gasp heroics. Uh, where, where were you sitting in the new Camp? Well, believe it or not, I was sitting um, not far from the corner flag uh, in the second, you know, where they actually scored a goal. So, uh, yeah, we were at, like a good few rows. Up. I mean, the, the new camp is such an impressive stadium. It's absolutely massive. It was packed to capacity. And uh, we had really good seats, you know, in, in, in the United end and, and right close to where that corner, where Beckham took that corner, mm. in both corners, you know. It was... Uh, yeah, it was quite uh, amazing. I mean, I was lucky to get there, to be honest. You know, I was going with a, a few Man United supporters from London and I travelled over from Dublin. And uh, back in 1999, you know, years ago, you didn't need your passport or anything like that travelling to London. You know, you, you just didn't ever ask you for any idea or anything like that. So you could try. And of course, I was so used to going hopping back and forth to London and England without my passport that... I was so excited about going to Barcelona to the Champions League that I forgot about the flight, you know, going from, from Gatwick to Barcelona. And I forgot my passport, would you believe, you know? <laughs> so it was only when I landed in, Bar- in uh, Gatwick that I had no passport. And, of course, I was connect- I was getting a connecting flight with all the uh, with all the supporters. So, uh, fortunately, um, unfortunately, I mean, I missed the night there, but it wasn't the day in question. It was like we were going sort of a night before to have a night out in Barcelona. And uh, I was very, very lucky. Uh, my brother got my passport from uh, from Renla, dropped it out to the airport. And one of the hostesses from Aer Lingus, who was on the next flight, 
uh, he, he dropped to the desk and he said, yeah, yeah, we'll take his passport over for him. So they were very kind. She, she came over, I met her at, at, at arrivals, uh, but I missed the night in Barcelona the previous night, which probably... In hindsight, wasn't a bad thing because I might have missed it. I might have missed the game itself, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, the game was uh, quite incredible. The atmosphere was electric. We were absolutely, you know, we were absolutely battered for eighty minutes mm. uh, until those last uh, those last ten minutes were just. Uh, it was just uh, uh, quite incredible, you know. All fists to the pump, and it just threw the men forward and got the corner, got the goal. And uh, and then of course got the second goal. Well, all hell broke loose. You could see the Bayern Munich players all falling to the ground. <laughs> United uh, fans were like just jumping up and down. And at the end of the whistle, you know, I always say I'd never seen so many grown men cry in all my life. You know, everybody was like crying, but there were sort of tears of joy. It was it was quite a, it was quite a surreal moment. And you think of the team as well, like oh. Peter Schmeichel, Ryan Giggs, yeah. David Beckham. The Neville brothers, you could go on and on. Like yeah. it was just an unbelievable yeah, yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was an amazing. And of course, you know, the unfortunate thing, right? I saw Roy Kane and Paul, Paul Scholes. They came out when United were celebrating with the cup, and they, they sort of, they, they didn't make the final, you know, because they were both suspended for mm. the final. Unfortunately, you know, uh, I felt terrible sorry for them. But they came out to celebrate. But they sort of, they didn't. So it was almost like they, they didn't. They wanted to be involved, but they were just sort of, uh, you could see how disappointed they were that they sort of weren't there themselves, you know, in a way, you know. But now they wanted to just let the team get on with it because they they were on the pitch and they wanted it. But the crowd were, were going mad for, for Scholes and Keane to come on. And when they came on, even in their suits, it was just there. Uh, yeah. And, and, and they stayed, you know, they stayed, they walked around the whole pitch with the cup dancing and it was just uh, yeah, it was one of the it was one of the best uh, nights for as a United fan, you know. Nineteen ninety nine. It's a long time ago now. Unreal. Like I remember chatting to uh, Clive Tilsley during an interview a couple of years ago and, and yeah. like he was pointing out the fact that he was thinking you know in his commentary he had said for the free kick the Bayern, <clears throat> the Bayern free kick Basler deflected an in but in hindsight it hadn't deflected at all it had just gone I think through the wall and past Schmeichel so he, sa- he says you know last 10 minutes he's sitting there thinking the game hasn't been that great I've got the only no. goal wrong in my first Champions League <coughs> final on, on ITV I've, I've said it was deflected it didn't deflect at all and uh, United are going to lose but um, I mean the commentary then for the last couple of goals yeah. of course you were in the stadium but those last few minutes, Ken, it must have just felt yeah, it was surreal. incredible. I mean, they hit a Bayern even at one 0 I think they hit the post twice, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just like, but just the, you know, the, they sort of they never gave up, you know. And I mean, that was the one of the great things about Ferguson's team. They ran and ran and ran and ran and never ever gave up. So many times they scored goals in the last like five minutes. You know, mm. we've seen them do it in. the in the Premier in the league so many times you know and, and uh, they just kept going and going and going it was a great engine and uh, yeah I mean for Solskjaer to come on and Teddy Sharing to score yeah it was just uh, it was just quite incredible you know because we thought it was all over you know it was <laughs> because and Bayern were playing so I mean Bayern is such a great team as well um, and they were just battering United you know and uh, but you just never know in sport in football and in, in, in all sports, even in snooker, you just never know until until it's over, you know, and you keep going as, as best you can and that's exactly what they did and they got their got their rewards in the end. Yeah, I think it was Tilsey that said, can Manchester United score? They always score and of course they they did the dutiful and scored twice. It was quite a, yeah. an impressive moment for for all United fans, one that will stick out. Um, another one, Ken, that you've that you've put into your list then is, uh, is a game that will uh, live long in the memory because of 
well, one of the opposition players, Brazilian Ronaldo. This is yeah. uh, Champions League, 23rd of April 2003. United winning 4-3 on the night at Old Trafford against Real Madrid, but of course Real had won the uh, the Bernabeu first leg 3-1, so United exited the tournament. But yeah. uh, this was really about Ronaldo's performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, so so many games. I mean, I saw I was at a Champions League in Rome when when Messi uh, played incredible and they beat United in the final. And Messi scored a header. Like it was great to see him and and that Barcelona team. That was an amazing team as well. But I think the best team that I'd ever seen uh, was Real Madrid that night. Uh, Ronaldo was playing. Uh, Figo, uh, Roberto Carlos, Zidane. Uh, was just an, a most amazing player, one of the best players I think I've ever seen. I mm. think I, I think I remember Roy Keane saying he says, you know, when he played against Zidane, he said that was the standard. He said that I had to aspire to, you know, because he was probably uh, the best midfielder of his generation. You know, Zinedine Zidane, you know, and uh, yeah, and to see that team and the way they played, and Ronaldo, of course, Brazilian Ronaldo, he got a hat trick that night. Now United. Um, they still won uh, 4-3. Beckham came on, he scored two goals. It was the last. It was Beckham's last game for United. I think mm. he joined Real Madrid not long after that, at the, at the end of the season. And uh, but Ronaldo, uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo, how well he was, or how good he was, you know, his his dribbles, his step overs, and it was the first time I'd ever seen an opposition player. Uh, being applauded and the whole crowd stood up and applauded Ronaldo when he was substituted I think after 67 or 70 minutes I've never ever seen that at Old Trump and I've never ever seen it since but it was just uh, an appreciation for his greatness he was just uh, a wonderful wonderful player and what what an amazing team they were they were the real sort of the Galacticos as they were called you know Myself and Shane are just looking at each other here when you mention Messi, Zidane, Figo, Ronaldo. Like you've seen the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, I was looking, you know, like with those matches, I mean, they don't come around very much and and they might not be around for a while as a United fan, you know. So, uh, so you sort of, they're they're matches that you just want to go and see, you know. But yeah, I mean, to see, uh, to see the great Messi play was, was amazing and Xavi and Iniesta in that team, that was, uh, they were just unbelievable. Uh, but to see Zidane play um, mm. and see Roberto Carlos and, and Figo and, and Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, I mean, that was uh, that, that was quite special as well. You know, that will live long in a minute. And even though we sort of were knocked out of the Champions League and they didn't go on, I think they lost the Juventus in the next, in the next, in the quarterfinals yeah. or semifinals. Um, um, they didn't go on and win it that year, but they were just so good, so good to watch. They were like the, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters mm. playing football. It was just amazing. It wasn't AC Milan, I think, go on to beat Juventus in the yeah. final at Old Trafford, funnily enough, and on penalties in that, yeah. that final. Just looking at the two starting lineups, Ken, from that night, the United teams, you had Barthes in goal, the back four of Brown, uh, Rio Ferdinand, Sylvester, and John O'Shea. You had Keane, Butt, and Varane in the middle, and then you had Solskjaer, Vanistro, and Giggs up top. And then for Real, <coughs> you're looking at this team Casillas in goals, a back uh, four of Salgado, Hierro, El Guerra, and Roberto Carlos. McAlealy mm. and Guti kind of in the, the, the sitting role. Figo, yeah. Zidane and McManaman behind Ronaldo. So you're, you're looking at a, a trio of, of, just before that, recent Ballon d'Or winners in, in Figo, Zidane and Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah. That team is just terrifying. Yeah, it was just, uh, I mean, that front, the front line was just amazing, you know. And, and as I said, it was just, a, yeah, it was just a, a wonderful spectacle, you know. The, uh, and also, at, at European nights, you know, were just very, very special. In any home ground, you know, whether it be, 
Man United or anywhere else. It's just those European nights, Champions League nights are just very, very special. But when you have a team like that coming uh, and glittered with, you know, stars and Ballon d'Or winners, as you said, uh, you just sort of, yeah, you just had to be there. It was just wonderful to witness, you know. It was football, football from the gods, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, switching sports for your last pick, Ken. And yeah. This was tennis for the gods, really, the Wimbledon final of, of 2014. Yeah. So Novak Djokovic beats Roger Federer in in, uh, in five sets, 6th of July 2014 at the Wimbledon Centre Court. I know you're a big yeah. tennis fan. Like This must have been quite special to be sitting in tennis court and, and taking in the, the atmosphere of a, of a five-setter and a decider like this. Yeah, well, I love. I sort of I, I picked this because uh, it's one of my favorite sports. I mean, I, there was other sport. I like golf as well. You know, I could have picked the Ryder Cup down at K Club. That would have been that would have been a very special time as well. Uh, but this one, and this is a funny story, really, because I was I was going, I was in, uh, I was at Nebworth at a concert for Iron Maiden, and this is how it happened. This was the this is how it all came about. I didn't, I hadn't got a clue I was going to Wimbledon uh, the next day. I'd no ticket or anything like that. And um, the drummer of Iron Maiden is a big snooker fan, and he'd been to the he'd been to the World Championship that year. And I got to introduce him, and sort of we exchanged numbers, kept in touch, and uh, got on really well with him. So anyway, he invited us to the concert in Nebworth, and uh, so we went along with a couple of friends, and uh, went into the to meet the meet the band afterwards, you know. And we're in there, sort of in the having the after sort of uh, concert party. And uh, he turned around and said to me, he says, you like your tennis, don't you? I says, yeah, I love it, you know. He knew my son played tennis and that. You know, he says, uh, he says, uh, I've got two tickets for the Wimbledon final tomorrow. He says, uh, he says, and one of the lads that I was taking, he, he, he can't go, he says, you know. Um, so he says, do you want to come with me? He says, do you have a suit, first of all? He says, yeah, I have a suit. have a suit with me uh, in the car, you know. He says, right, he says, you're coming to Wimbledon with me tomorrow. He says, Djokovic and Federer. I says, you're joking. I, he says, yeah. He says, where? He says, I got an invite from the uh, the head referee. So after the concert, he says, you come back with me to London, he says. And uh, he says, stay in my house. And he says, we go the next morning. So he took me the next morning. Nico McBrain, he is, his name is. You know, he's a drummer. And uh, <clears throat> he took me the next morning. He had his car pick him up and we go down and we, uh, he's dressed up. He's got this like pinstripe suit. He's He's got an old sort of uh, like fedora hat on, like a Havana hat. You know, he looks like the man from Del Monte, you know. And, uh, he takes me and we're, we're paraded around. We're in the members area. We're having lunch. You know, there's all the old tennis players there. And the referee is showing us all the sort of backstage area, dressing rooms and everything. It's just quite incredible, you know. I had to pinch myself. And, uh, and then he... Uh, we go out uh, into the uh, or a couple of rows back from from where the players sit you know absolutely uh, brilliant seats you know and he's wearing this hat you know and I, I said oh jeez Nick I said this is just amazing to be here you know and as we sit down he's got because he's got the hat on this lady from behind him taps him on the shoulder a real posh accent she goes excuse me sir she goes do you mind removing your hat while play starts, you know? And he looks <laughs> at me. Thing ever. He looks at me like, you know, and I, I haven't got a clear what he's going to say, you know. And he turns around to her and he says, no, he goes. And he looked at me again and I looked at him and I says, Nico, I says, you're my hero, you know. <laughs> and uh, I just go, it was just absolutely brilliant. It, there was no way his hat was in the way in any way. You know, she was just like trying to make a point. Yeah. And uh, just the way he dealt with her. 
and he looked at me and we laughed and uh, we watched the final. It was like a pulsating final just to see Federer play and Djokovic, of course. But Federer was my favourite. And uh, Federer, he should have won. He was he was two sets to one up. He was four one up in the fourth. Uh, Djokovic came back as he does, uh, one seven five to take it to a five setter, and then he won. Unfortunately, that was the only dampener of the whole day was that Djokovic won. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what a what a you can't have it every way. But what an amazing experience, and to go with him and and see everything behind was just. Uh, yeah, incredible, you know. What a Jesus. story. That's unbelievable. I know you know the lads, that Mick Jagger and Keith Richards from the, the Rolling Stones as well. So, the, the, like, the fact that the drummer of Iron Maiden brings yeah, it to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that happen? I can't believe that. How does that happen? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's my favourite pick out if you had to be there that there's we've ever had, uh, to be fair. That's unbelievable. Uh, Ken, unbelievable stories, unbelievable picks. Uh, and we've been onto the centre court, but, like, the, for the final, it was just uh, to see those two play at their peak as well uh, was, uh, yeah. You had to be there, as you used to go say. Absolutely. On that note, Ken, brilliant stuff. Thanks a million, as always, for your time. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. That is the latest episode of You Had to Be There. Yeah. It's so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. I had to be there. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.